What's up, everybody? Jeremy here with another episode of my side series, College Hours. So this episode is kind of the first in what I want to make into a series of explorations into the radicalization of anime fans towards reactionary politics. You know, what drives anime fans towards this type of politics? Why does it happen where it happens? What do they see in anime or in Japan that they somehow are aligning with their fucked up views. Uh, In this episode, I talked to Bryn Nibor about isolation as a driver towards both anime fandom as well as uh, radicalization. There's a couple other ones I want to talk about, but Bryn and I end up actually talking about a few of them and touching on them, but the ones that I kind of want to get more in-depth into are things like transgressive comedy, the view of Japan as an ethnostate, but basically this episode, I wanted to kind of take a very like bird's-eye view of the concept of isolation, and so I invited Bryn over to watch Serial Experiments Lane, and I thought it would be kind of like an interesting backdrop to get sort of a sense of that feeling of isolation, that feeling of onlineness, to then kind of jump into this conversation. I think it went a lot of interesting places. I think we kind of come to a few uh, interesting conclusions. It's very different than the last one. This is way more theoretical, so hopefully, hopefully you find it useful or, or at least enlightening. So. So here it is. So are we going? Yeah, we're we're going. We're here. Uh, it's me, Jeremy, here with Bryn Niebuhr from Beep Beep Lettuce. Hello. Uh, and we just watched Serial Experiments Lane together. Yes, we did. Um, not the whole show. We kind of just. Oh, like, we've been hanging out for thirteen hours. Thirteen full hours. <laughs> we've been chilling. And uh, no, we got like a little flavor for it. We kind of watched a couple episodes, um, talked about what we remembered from the show from our last viewing. When was your last viewing? That's a good question. My last viewing was, uh, God, probably almost eight years ago. Eight years? Uh, I got you way beat. My last viewing was probably 20 something years ago. Oh my God. When was the first time you watched it? It was when I was like, 12 or 13 and it must have been like brand new at that point yeah um but i remember people online talking about it a lot Mm -hmm. and like you know when you're like young and you're like just getting into something and you go online and you're like looking for like what are the cool things that i'm supposed to be into because like my whole high school years (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah yeah totally like you do the same thing with music where like you first get into punk and like you go online and you find people talking about cooler punk bands and you're like, all right, well, so that's what I'm into. I'm not into this thing I was talking about before. <laughs> Why would I ever be into that? <laughs> what am I, a baby? <laughs> but yeah, so I first watched this when I was like an early teen. I think I watched it again at some point in college. But otherwise, like, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't viewed it in its entirety probably since I was a, a young teen. Right. I, I, nef- I definitely watched it. So I bought it on a bootleg DVD at a comic convention Mm -hmm. called Heroes Con in North Carolina. And then I had, I bought it with like Cowboy Bebop and a few other things for like $10. And I remember, I I think I was like 13 or 14 and I had the flu. Mm -hmm. And I was like, time to watch all of this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I just like, I was out of my mind like when you know when you're a kid and you have the flu and it feels like you're tripping yeah already and uh-huh. then i like watched lane all the way through like in one sitting yeah i felt like i died this is a terrifying thing to watch <laughs> with the flu well i was just like yeah it definitely was it was horrifying the last time i had the flu i was um I was in St. Louis visiting my wife's family Uh and I got like really sick over the course (laughs) of maybe like four to five hours. It all just kind of like went from normal to I'm throwing up in my wife's sister's sink. Oh my God. Uh, And I was like, we were staying in their basement. Like it was like an unheated basement and I'm like laying down there on the floor on top of like a pile of towels. (laughs) (laughs) I was hallucinating. Um, I had this like hallucination in my head where... Uh, there were some alien rings that I needed to align oh in God. a certain way in order to get back to New York. <laughs> and I kept trying to sleep, but I kept having these like really vivid visions of these alien rings. Yeah. And I kept like waking up and like turning to my wife and being like, I- we need to align the rings. And she's <laughs> like, no, we need to get on an airplane. <laughs> your, your brain is boiling. Yeah. 
Um, but anyways, uh, yeah. the point is, this is a crazy thing to watch. It's a crazy thing to watch, sober and healthy. Yeah, it is a crazier thing to watch under under the influence of any kind of psychedelics or the flu. Yeah. So I watched it then, and it honestly like affected me in a deep way that uh-huh. I wasn't expecting it to. Right. Just I think it partially because I had the flu, but partially because of how like very insane the ideas were, and I hadn't read much or any philosophy at this time. Mm-hmm. Like teenager, right? Um, and I w- was just sort of blown away by what, like, what it was basically saying about life and identity and religion, and yeah, it really and, fucked with me. And kind of like this perception of like, okay, so I have like this idea of like the internet, where the joke version of it is, I'll say, like when we were kids everybody thought that the internet was going to be this like magical wonderful thing that was going to connect us to each other and we were all going to become smarter and more empathetic because we could talk to somebody it's you know what it is it's yeah. the monologue from cable guy where yeah, yeah. he's at the end where he's talking about playing mortal Kombat with somebody in vietnam and i had this you know in the 90s when the internet is young and new everybody thought of it as that where it was going to make us more smart and empathetic. But then as it grew older and more mature, we realized that it was really just a more efficient way to racially abuse celebrities. (laughs) And like, that's my, that's my joke version of it. But the thing with Lane that I think the thing people say about it a lot, and I think bears repeating is that it was wildly ahead of its time. Oh, totally. In that it existed in this time of like great hope for the internet and how it would connect us to each other, but actually Lane is showing us that it it drives isolation in a pretty major way. Yeah, and I... Yes. It it has a lot to say about community and connectivity and what it means to be with people. Yeah. Um, And it's... It definitely has a lot to say about isolation. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think... And I think it gets a lot of, like, those things where everyone wants to say The Matrix wasn't the first. Like, people are like, Dark City... Isn't wasn't the did it before the Matrix, uh-huh. and people who are even more nerdy are like Lane did it before the Matrix. Yeah, and I think it's like Lane was doing shit that the Matrix doesn't even touch. Like Lane is talking about literally what it means to be a consciousness, mm-hmm. um, and what spirituality is. <laughs> like yeah. it's an ontological anime. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like it's asking questions about like what does it what is reality yeah exactly it's Um, got the sort of like existentialist sort of vibe to it where you're talking about like what are the essential properties of like a human being like they're constantly talking about literally in the last episode there's that moment where she's like if you if nobody remembers you you were never real yeah just really casually drops that memory is just a record that can be rewritten (laughs) it's like what? <laughs> yeah. So the thing that made me think of Lane as it relates to kind of okay, so like the right. the the thesis kind of concept that we're we're talking about here is, you know, isolation as a driver of both community and radicalization. And the thing that initially made me think of this was that idea of like, you know, without memory, the thing never existed. Mm. And I was do you know um, that YouTube channel, Innuendo Studios, the guys making the alt-right playbook? Yes. They're like these little like stick figure cartoons where this guy yeah, yeah, talks yeah. about like these different ideas of like, what do you call it when you like cut something open and look on the inside? Bisecting? Yeah, there's like another word I was trying to think of, but bise- yeah, sure. Like he's uh, like looking deep into like what are like the root arguments and what are kind of like the pathological like tendencies of like the alt-right. Right, yeah. And I've watched that video. There's a video, one of them is uh the card says moop, right? Or card says moop. I haven't moops, watched right? that one. And that one is uh based on like a Seinfeld joke where <laughs> yeah, moops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ca- the sorry, boy. the card says moops. <laughs> Right. And um, the idea that like as long as in that moment of that argument, you believe the thing that you say you believe, Mm. then it doesn't matter whether you actually believe it before or after. Mm. Right. And I was kind of thinking of that in terms of memory. Sure. And I guess, yeah, the power of this is something we were talking about before we started recording, but like kind of the, the the power that you attain as an online entity. Right. And what you're talking about, like, I, I, I think I've always had a 
an issue with the way that people kind of look at the internet as like this thing that was supposed to bring us all together, but now is just, I think people get a little nihilistic when they basically say like it's a force for bad mm-hmm. because what it is is an efficient way of communicating. Yes. The most efficient way of communicating that has ever existed. It's a superpower and mm-hmm. no one knows how to use it yet. You know, like we're still just scratching the surface of what's possible. Right. Um, and, and how it's changing our whole lives and our whole reality. Mm-hmm. Um, again, what, a way in which Lane is incredibly way ahead of its time because they were like, this will change you as a human. Yeah. This change- <laughs> and people were like, what? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> and now we're like, you know, we can't go to the bathroom without tweeting or like people's brains are being rewritten to think about what will get the most likes or whatever. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's definitely changed society deeply. But I think it's not that it, it, I think it's just a power. I think it's a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a plane of reality now where we can interact. And in the same way, there's been imperialism for the past 2,000 years or whatever. Right. Um, and there's been conquering and there's been violence. And there's been love and there's been, you know, community. It's all happening instantaneously all the fucking time online. Right. Um, and while... I think it's fairly horrifying to look at it. You know, there are little pockets. Like, there's things like when I was watching this show, the way I found out about it was this. I think I talked about this on the last episode. But uh-huh. the thing, when I was watching the show, there was a message board called Corona's Coming Attractions that was for film. Uh-huh. And that was like 50 people who were my friends. Yes. You know what I mean? Totally. And that like barely exists anymore, uh-huh. but it's starting to again with things like Discord. Right. Where there's like 100 people who all love this one thing, and then they get along. Yeah, like you, absolutely. You, you, and you don't really even have to moderate it. Like the BP Discord is just like a bunch of nice people who just like are talking about politics who never fight. Yeah. It's really bizarre. Dude, it's the same thing with the Ball and Out <laughs> Discord. Don't ever go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't ever go to the Ball and Out Discord either. Um, it's great how it is. We don't need any more people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like, yeah, I mean, I feel the same way where, like, I had, from a very young age, like, a very, like, strong relationship with, like, online communities mm-hmm. because my dad is, like, an early computer guy. He worked in publishing in the 80s, and so they were kind of among people doing, like, letters... Uh, letter pressing and whatever whatever they call it uh, like are some of the first people who had access to computers in like Mm. a substantial way and so my dad was like online before online was online and so I grew up in web forums you know like I can remember as far back as like 96 or 97 being on a Green Day message board Mm -hmm. where similarly it's like maybe 50 active users who all were my friends and I think about them still from time to time I'll like look them up and be like I wonder wonder what Siobhan is up to you know no I remember figuring out how to get on Usenet in like 93 to talk about X-Files yeah just like writing a paragraph like do you think uh, Crycheck is the bad guy Uh (laughs) and then just like being like fucking eight years old then people writing like pages back to me I was like wow (laughs) And there is a lot of power, you know, being a really little kid. Yeah. You feel like, oh, this is a place where people take me seriously. Right. You know, like, I have an opinion about fucking if Mulder and Scully are going to (laughs) kiss. And then, like, some other person who I don't know what their identity is, is writing back to me. And it's it's very, it's a rush. So this is kind of at the, kind of at the heart of what the idea of this conversation was, right? right, is the idea of isolation as a thing that drives you into community, right? Mm -hmm. But then also as isolation being kind of like a major vulnerability when it comes to people being radicalized online. Right. Right. And I think that what we're both kind of saying is that like as a child, as like a young person, you felt very isolated and that is kind of what led you to these communities where you feel like you're being taken more seriously. Totally. And I guess I just, I don't know, like I wonder like... Like, why aren't we Nazis? Why aren't we Nazis? Yeah, kind <laughs> yeah, why of. Why aren't we anime Nazis? Because that's something I think about a lot, is yeah. that, like, I was on 4chan in, like, you know, 2007, 2008 time period or so, mm-hmm. and it was, like, one of my favorite 
places to go online. I love 4chan. I wonder sometimes about how like vulnerable I really was. Right. Well, okay, so here's my take on that. Uh-huh. Um, I think there's a few things. I think if we just take the, the isolation aspect of it, is that Lane purports that you can't just have these communities online. Like, the body is incredibly important to the wired mm-hmm. right like at the in the in the last episode we just watched yeah. um you know she's like do you think a body isn't important now like and this fucking cronenberg horror shit is happening yeah. it's like bodies matter right because they affect what happens in the wired uh-huh. and if you completely ignore that you get more and more Masani, right? Like you just like are like, I'm going to control the wired. I'm going to get power from here. Right. And I think part of the reason I'm okay <laughs> is that like I didn't completely negate my meat space life. Right. You know what I mean? Like I still needed those. I needed the access to people, to, you know, intimacy, to friendship right. and sincerity in real life. Um, and like I was using the internet as a sort of, like salve for mm-hmm. not having that for a few years in my high school years and like being really mad at my d- dad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, and I, you know, continued to use it to supplement my real life. And just because I liked it and like, you know, liked that space, I still like the internet. Right. Um, but it never took over into like n- me ignoring the f- like friendships in, in real life or, yeah. or a relationship. And I think the reason that, people don't do that is because they're unable maybe or they're raised with this understanding of what real life is supposed to be that they're never going to achieve yeah um where they're they're supposed to have some kind of power in real life whether it's through film or whether they you know were abused or whether they you know whatever the case may be i feel like these people who are on 4chan and are like this is the most and best feeling that I can get mm-hmm. of trolling somebody and watching someone getting a response of pain from someone on the internet is yeah. my favorite thing in life. Uh-huh. Like that's because that person does not have a good life. Right. <laughs> like, it has to be right. Like there well, can't be another explanation so, for that. So do you think that kind of part of it is maybe that they're almost like different volumes of isolation? Like, Mm. the one that leads you to community and the one that leads you to reactionary politics. Like, perhaps the the thing that leads you to finding like-minded people is a level of isolation in which you feel like you're not getting something in your real life, and it leads you to these online communities. And then when you get too far into the point where now your meat space self is gone and you Mm. only are online, like, do you think that that's... Because you're no longer empathizing with real human beings. Right. I think... I think there's a certain aspect of it that has to do with what you need, um, the user. Mm-hmm. Um, like for me, as I, you know, as a queer woman, like what I wanted out of that community was different. Yeah. Like I didn't want power, or I didn't want to feel more powerful than someone. I wasn't trying to dominate anybody or right. feel like I only liked trolling when it was funny. Mm-hmm. You know, if it made me laugh and it was entertaining, cool. And yeah. obviously some of that was incredibly misogynistic and racist because like we live in a misogynistic and racist world and I wasn't like woke. I didn't uh-huh. understand that. It was like, just because it's a joke doesn't mean it's not hurtful. Right. Like I didn't get that. I was just like, oh, it's a joke. Yeah. It's funny to me. And I didn't put myself in a position where, or I couldn't put myself in the mind space of a person who was not only laughing but getting a kind of charge from that kind of quote-unquote trolling of like, yeah, fuck bitches, fuck black people. Yeah. Like, that, I didn't understand that other people weren't just laughing. And it wasn't until later in college that I was like, oh, pump, these people are like not joking. Yeah. Like, did you read um, <laughs> uh, Kill All Normies? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's explored a lot in that book. Mm-hmm. This idea of this sort of um, like transgressive comedy as both like a, and this is something I want to explore more in another episode at some point is like the idea of transgressive comedy as like a valid thing to enjoy as well as 
a genuine shield for bad things. Right. You know, but like not even a shield, but also I think a, a fuel for it. Right. Uh-huh. Like it is, it is a kind of drug to feel like you are more powerful than somebody yeah. else. And even if that person is a complete caricature and you don't see their pain, and you only mm-hmm. imagine it, it still leads you to want it. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I am better than X <laughs> identity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm this identity. Uh-huh. And like that kind of thinking, which is very high school if you think about it. Right. Like it's very just bullies, bullying bullies, mm-hmm. right? But like that sort of sensation of like, I'm alone in my bedroom, in my parents' house. My parents either don't care about me or mean to me. I don't have any friends, but I know I'm better than this asshole. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Is that something is, it's not community. And I think that that's what, I think that's a sort of like weird differentiation that people don't really make is like 4chan isn't a community. 4chan is a, it's a slot machine. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's It's like a, it's a faucet, is what it is. Yeah, exactly. It's a faucet of communication. It's a a Skinner box for feeling like you're better than somebody. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And Twitter can be that too. Oh, for sure, yeah. But at least Twitter has like identity tied to it in some sense, although, I mean, very minimally. Right. But at least Twitter has a certain kind of responsibility, right? Like, and I mean, obviously, they don't moderate. I think the loss of mods is one of the <laughs> worst things that's happened to the internet. Mods were important. Yeah. It, admins were... And everyone hated them, and like, especially yeah. on 4chan. Well, and this comes down to a question of labor, doesn't it? In some <laughs> ways, right? Because like, the part of the reason why moderation like doesn't exist anymore is because nobody ever paid mods. Right. Right? No one that ever was, thought they were useful. Yeah. It was endless, uncompensated labor being done by people who actually gave a shit. Yeah. Like, it's the only meaningful work that a lot of people will ever do is moderating a community. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's, I think that even the left today, we're going to get real spicy here. Uh I think even the left today, a lot of people are still afraid of the concept of moderation, Mm -hmm. the concept of anyone telling you what to do. Yeah. And it's like, if you have rules, you have to enforce them. You just have to. To. Right. And if you don't have anybody enforcing the rules, people are going to be like, fuck you, I don't care. Mods are asleep. I'm going to post CP. Right. Like, <laughs> that's what your fucking community, whether it's online or it's, yeah. in, it's in the wired or it's in real life, you're going to get that fortune effect. Yeah. Where it's just like, if you're anonymous and you can say whatever you want, there's no accountability and no one can punish you or no one can, can discipline you, I should say, uh-huh. then you're going to get bad behavior and you're going to, people are going to succumb to their worst the lowest common denominator of of human behavior. Yeah, in a funny way, like, when I was in college, I... I mean, so I've identified as an anarchist since I was, like, a young teenager, right? And gone through various tendencies of of anarchism over the years. And in college, I had a a brief time where I was, like, really, really into primitivism. And I think that, in a weird way, 4chan is what broke me from primitivism. Where you're like, no, there needs to be some sense of, like, mutual aid and community, and, like, we can't all just be, like, swinging on vines in the fucking jungle, you know? Yeah, because that will just be... It'll just lead to monarchy. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody will just kill everyone until they're in charge. Yeah. Which is how we're, we're, we got here. <laughs> Which is funny because, like, every primitivist I've ever met has not been a, like, particularly, like, strong or fit person who's, like, <laughs> Who ready survive to survive in the state of nature. <laughs> I've always found that really odd. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just a fantasy for them. It's like... It is. It totally is. Like, go to the woods then. This is... You it, literally could do that. It's there a tendency a, that exists entirely in the realm of fantasy to the point where like one of the like foremost thinkers in primitivism is uh, uh, Derek Jensen and Derek Jensen has some sort of I think he's diabetic maybe he has something that he needs like constant body maintenance for you know and and in his books says essentially like if my dreams are realized I will die right but so they won't be (laughs) (laughs) Like, in the world that he envisions, he's dead. Yeah. 
but he Which still means, sees that as the more just existence, I suppose. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. And I, I, I remember an anarcho-communist like once saying to my friend Eric, what you're saying all you know makes some sense and whatever, but it just doesn't sound like winning to me. Yeah. It sounds like giving up. Yeah. <laughs> it's very nihilistic. It is, yeah. It's like, yeah, f- fantasy leftist Amish people. Right. <laughs> and this kind of comes back to the to the anime Nazi thing a little bit because yeah. I was reading an article one of the many articles that was written kind of during the rise of the alt right about like why are there so many anime Nazis? And one of the things that people point out is that it's not necessarily that they're all anime Nazis. They're specifically moe anime. They're like these sub, they're these submissive little girl pictures, yeah, right? And the idea generally. is like... It's very rarely like Goku. Evangelion. It's never yeah. Goku. <laughs> There's yeah. no Goku Nazis. Yeah. Or like Android 17 or something. <laughs> yeah, like the worst it ever gets is like the Goku Twitter account uh, saying that John McCain passed over into other world. <laughs> like that's the most reactionary that ever gets. But it's usually... That's just lib shit. <laughs> it's usually these like submissive anime girl characters. Right. And I was interested in the idea that people who are attracted to reactionary politics are people who are attracted to the idea of a more traditional society, right? Mm -hmm. This kind of fantasy they have of this sort of leave it to beaver world where, you know, I have a job where I do productive work and I come home and my wife has cooked dinner and like we have these kids and she loves me no matter what kind of like sitcom dolt I am, you know? Yeah. And Maybe this is like a bit of a stretch, but I was thinking about the idea of like radical politics, both on the left and the right, existing largely in the realm of fantasy, Mm. you know, where like primitivism is like way out there in terms of fantasy. But like everything in some way exists in the realm of fantasy because we don't live in that world. You have to in some way fantasize about the better world that you envision for tomorrow. right? Right. And maybe that kind of being a connection point there where like they can look at their anime waifu as this like piece of fantasy that goes along with their fantasy world Mm. where we have a white ethno state etc etc well i was gonna point out that like japan is an ethno state right (laughs) like it's very weird because i always thought it was interesting that like the art that america celebrates is the country the Asian country that we completely destroyed. Yes. We destroyed all of their film. Uh-huh. We, and we're like, now you're Americans for a little mm-hmm. while. And then we're like, and we're going to go. And you're going to be on your own. Yeah. But you're still going to be Western. Although weirdly, you know what I mean? this is an interesting factoid that I uncovered in the last College Hours episode that I did that part of, like one of the ironic uh, additions that the American, not colonization, but like uh, uh, occupation. occupation. Yeah, the American occupation. One of the like odd positives of the American occupation is that when they rewrote the Japanese constitution to be a more Western constitution, one of the things they added in was a right to organize. Mm. And they didn't have that before. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> well, it hasn't really, uh, it hasn't really borne fruit yet. But, right. Well, um, they probably, even at the time, what was it, 1940? or Yeah, like uh, late 40s, early 50s. 50s yeah. They knew at the time you could you could just edit it. <laughs> yeah, it's like I mean you have the right to organize, but right. unless unless you actually want any power. But yeah, so the idea of like fantasy and I don't know if this is uh, just like a weird path to go down. Maybe <laughs> go ahead, let's try it. But yeah, I think I think that part of the connection between like reactionaries and anime is this idea of in my ideal world where we have an ethno state and Mm. we're like Japan, like this is, this is what my wife is like in that world. Or yeah, they are a representation of a prize that they will get. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh Of a submissive child. (laughs) (laughs) It is always a child. Yeah. No, it's creepy. (laughs) Um, It's horrific actually. But I mean, yeah, and I think that that's the problem with looking at anime as having because because I I think the problem is is like anime isn't one thing, mm-hmm. like anime is just a whole culture's output. Yeah, and it's like you can make a lot of judgments about American culture based off of the Avengers. Yeah, you know what I mean, like uh-huh. the overarching, like you know, lowest common denominator, but the biggest selling most important cultural touchstones right now mm-hmm. are like all powerful fascist unelected superhumans right who 
take care of America. And like, who are like wildly individualistic. Like they are oh, yeah. like they come together into the Avengers. Sure. But they are each their own individual power. Right. right. That's like a major part of what makes a superhero a superhero. Right. Is like at best they have like an understudy. And I thought it was really funny with Civil War. Quick aside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought Civil War was really funny because what they were trying to say in the comic, what they were trying to say in the movie are totally different. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like, what if we register you with the state and Captain America's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. That could be its own episode. Yeah. (laughs) um, Yeah, Captain America as parable of (laughs) two-way. Well, of privatization. Yeah. uh, And like Iron Man, the private superhero. Right, yeah. um, Being like, no, we have to follow the state's rules. He's like an even weirder version of Batman, isn't he? Oh, yeah. It's really bizarre. <laughs> it's like just straight up fascism. But anyway, um, no, but I think you can look at all the superhero movies that are happening right now and say a lot about America. Right. Um, and what we want and what our culture is saying. But you can't look at every movie and try and fit it into that yeah. ideology, right? Uh-huh. Like you can't look at, you know, I don't know. Uh, you Were Never Really There by Lynn Ramsey that came out last year with Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Not very many people saw. But it's a beautiful little story about a guy who's fucking like traumatized by his military service. Right. And, you know, has nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, or is the opposite of that. But um, I guess in the same sense... So you can't look at anime right. as like these big... I don't even know what's the most popular thing. Like, what is out right now in Japan that is, like, just killing it? Like, uh, My Hero Academia. Okay, yeah. One Punch Man, stuff like that. Hunter, Hunter or something? Yeah, Hunter x Hunter, I guess, is pretty big. Yeah. Um, Uh, You can't look at those and then be like, Serial Saren Slane is the same. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's not. (laughs) Sure, but at the same time, you kind of can, because you can do the thing that a lot of us do, where you find like the one little piece of the thing that that you can turn into a metaphor for the thing that you wanted to be a metaphor for sure. and then everything says what you want it to say in some way you <laughs> yeah. know like that's postmodernism yeah <laughs> in some way doesn't every american movie say something about american life right in the same sense like i guess if you're a nazi and you're looking at japan as this ideal ethno state that you want america to be like except white you know, yeah. you can look at every anime and see something in there that you can say, like, you see, this is what we need to do. Sure. I mean, you can always fucking, like, twist anything into your worldview if you want to. Yeah. But I guess I'm what I'm trying to say is, like, like Japanese isn't, like, the whole, like, Japan isn't at fault <laughs> uh-huh. for, for it. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, in the same way that anime isn't at fault for the anime Nazis, right? Right. The state might be, or, like the culture of an ethnostate kind of fascist state. Or is it like, is it smaller than that? Is it that it's the fault of existing Nazis? Right. Like, is it the fault of like, because there is like documentable proof that, you know, on like Stormfront and stuff like that, there are conversations where people outright say like, Reddit is a good place to radicalize people. 4chan is a good mm-hmm. place to radicalize people. There was a concerted effort by existing Nazis to go into these spaces to then radicalize people and pull them out into their thing, right? Sure. So then I wonder, is anime then a tool of radicalization? Hmm. Because you have these gathering points. I think points. anything can be. Like, I think you can use basically anything any type of media mm-hmm. to bring somebody to your ideology yeah. um it's pretty easy <laughs> especially when the I- ideology is baked into your country's like national foundation mm-hmm. you know like america is a, a state built on fascism that's all we're about and if if you can you can basically use any sort of story or or aesthetic to get people to sort of double down on those things. I think it's much harder to do it for communism. <laughs> you know, like, I think it's much harder to say, like, uh, let's cherry pick these things. You have to sort of, like, build your own aesthetic. You have to right. cherry pick a, a, a kind of media and say, like, this one's good. But with, with just trying to get someone to be reactionary, it's like, everything should stay the same, like this. Like, you can basically yeah. use anything. So then is it just, like, is it a convenient coincidence mm. that... So if 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 anime isn't the 
isn't necessarily a tool any more than anything else is? Is it just a like a like happy coincidence for reactionaries that there was an anonymous space that is itself like already a breeding ground for like uh, transgressive humor that you can use as a shield that you mm. can use to hide the fact that you actually genuinely believe the things that you believe and that that space also happened to be where people congregate to talk about anime right is it as simple as that that like that's just where it kind of comes from i don't know can you imagine uh i mean i i think the thing about 4chan is that it's anonymous uh-huh. and it like its structure made it so the worst people would be there like mm-hmm. that's just how it was gonna work right. i do think that it happened to the um to the original one the japanese two, two chan, chan yeah or two channel but um, i don't think that if it was a sports channel sports would be reactionary interesting do you know what i mean yeah why i why? don't think the aesthetic was random i mean do you like if it was, I like, think that if, if it, was, it was a if, sports forum, I think if like, 4chan was a sports forum first and foremost, because there is a sports forum on there, right? Um, and sure enough, there are reactionaries in there, <laughs> of course. Uh, but I think that if 4chan was at its heart a sports thing, uh-huh. and it was an anonymous place to post about sports, I actually do think that you would see way more fascists congregating around sports because I do think that the aesthetic is there. I think football is an inherently militaristic aesthetic. Mm. Uh, I think baseball has a lot to say about like the individual, and I think it has a lot to say about the idea of things staying the same. Yeah, oh, I could totally. Very, yeah, I could totally see a like world walking in around which, with the fucking like Orioles hats is like that's the Nazi thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're the but the cartoon of the bird. Yeah, that would be their thing. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe I think that anime attracts a kind of person. Mm-hmm. Because I think sports people are just more chill. Uh-huh. <laughs> like generally, I think anime is a is something that younger people yeah. kind of like attached themselves to because it was different, because it was exotic. Mm-hmm. Because it was a power fantasy. I think sports is also kind of a power fantasy, but those are real people. Yeah. You know, you can't be like, I'm Jose Canseco. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you can really be like, I'm I'm Canada. You know, like, right. I, I can imagine myself in this situation. In totally. These stories. So and then. You can't really do a sports. Like, you know, you suck at football or you right. don't. Totally. Um, I think that anime is, is for people who want to imagine themselves as powerful but know that they're not mm-hmm. right unlike where it's like with football you know or or any sort of sort of sports like those people if you're into it in real life there's no convention you can go to you just play the sport yeah or you watch it uh-huh. and there's a certain level of submission i think that like sports fans have where they're like yeah i know i wouldn't actually i can't actually do i mean like they'll say like oh yeah i could you know, take Mike Tyson or whatever. Right, like, yeah, They're yeah, lying, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. I think that anime specifically has this kind of power fantasy built into it mm-hmm. where there is a world where the... There, there is a chosen one, and it can be anybody, and it's just about how smart you are or how magical you are. Yeah. Um, and that kind of fiction is easier. So it's possible that they would have, no matter what the aesthetic of 4chan was, mm-hmm. it would have started to incorporate anime. Yeah. So here's here's something that could kind of tie it back to the initial idea, right? Which is that sports is also an inherently like community driven thing, right? Yes. Sports, you're either like you're either on a team. You're on a team with people. Even I mean, baseball is an individualistic thing, but you are on a team still. And if you're watching it, you're in a crowd. Whereas anime is something that you watch in front of a TV with at most like you know a couple of friends. Well, yeah, and it goes back to I mean, like when I was a kid, the concept of like being a nerd and being a jock was a chasm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that one thing that is cool about being a jock is the community. Around it, you know, you get to hang out with your friends. All yeah. of them have friends. Yeah, like, there's no loner jock. That's the like, main <laughs> thing about being a jock yeah. is that you have friends. Exactly, and like you know, the the idea of a loner jock is like something like David Lynch would make up. Uh-huh. <laughs> Some football player riding a motorcycle in the dark. Or yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that you kind of don't get to do that and be the kind of person who needs a power fantasy right uh, or the sort of drip of feeling better than someone th- through the internet yeah if you're just a big sports guy right um so then okay, and I'm, so you know, we are talking about men mostly yes 
for sure. Uh, <laughs> get that out of the way. <laughs> but okay, so then this comes back to the initial idea, right, of isolation as a driver towards anime and isolation as a driver towards radicalization, mm. right? Yeah, I guess we didn't really decide on, does isolation actually drive you to radicalization? I think it absolutely does, yeah. yeah. Because the whole idea of radicalization is the same thing you're talking about, right? Is like, it's a power fantasy. You're telling people, like, in this world, you got nothing. You know, in this right. world, you're alone. You're like a sad little boy watching anime. You have no friends. You have no idea what's going on. Like, at most, all you have to look forward to is you go to school, you become a computer programmer guy, you incur, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, you live the rest of your life working a menial job paying off your debts, and then you fucking, you're a skeleton. <laughs> yeah. Best case scenario, you're Bill Gates. Yeah, best case scenario. And, and you won't be Bill Gates, and you know that. Yeah, Everybody yeah, knows yeah. that, you know? And the idea of I mean, reactionary politics is you're promising a better life for these people. You're promising them you'll have your waifu. You know, yeah. you'll have your, like, in, in a more traditional world where we have, like, government-mandated sex, like, you you won't be this anymore. Yeah. And so I guess something I was thinking about, too, is that, like, both of us have a similar background in music that we kind of come from punk and alternative music scenes, yeah. right? And that's a similar thing that drives people towards those. Sure. And uh, why isn't then, why isn't punk as fertile of a ground for right-wing radicalization as anime is? Is it the crowd? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go with the crowd. I mean, to, to, <laughs> to, put it, to put it bluntly, I think that isolation also might not be as big of a driver to punk uh -huh. or music in general. Like, rebelling mm -hmm. against a status quo is just as much of a driver. You know, like the whole concept of punk was like, London in the 70s fucking blows. Right. And it's like, let's suck people's dicks and put swastikas <laughs> on our shirts just to get somebody to react. Yeah. You know, and that's like ridiculous. Uh -huh. And it's hard to imagine <laughs> a situation where that seemed like appropriate um, yeah. to anyone. But they just wanted to rebel against this very boring, stuffy status quo uh, that they perceived to just be like nothing, like old people dying. Mm -hmm. um, and they wanted excitement. They wanted, a, a, you know, a lust for life, as right. Iggy, Iggy Pop says. Um, and, and so I think that rock and roll punk emo like there's a certain level of like i don't like this thing that is popular so i'm gonna go to some i'm gonna find something else where i can be accepted and it is an acceptance mm -hmm. um but i don't think it is necessarily isolation it's a rejection of a of a certain kind of acceptance um but isn't the root of that kind of isolation in a no way? because i think because I think anime, like, I think 4chan nerds would love to be the jock. Uh-huh. And if they could, they would. But they can't. Right. Do you know what I mean? Totally, like, yeah. And punks they, don't want that. They want to be the status quo. Uh-huh. They want to be the normal, popular, cool guy. And right. this is the thing. This is why incels exist. When people are doing, like, fucking face surgery to make <laughs> themselves be a Chad or whatever. Uh -huh. They want to be the cool, normal ubermensch, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They want this system exactly they just want to be on top mm -hmm. whereas i think there's a lot of subcultures where it's like the whole point is fuck this subculture this regular culture mm -hmm. we're gonna find our own sort of cult community in in reaction to it or in a subversion of it yeah so then do we think that reactionary politics are like is is radicalization towards the right a inevitability of anime fandom at large like i know obviously we have a fan base that would <laughs> beg to differ but like it is is what leads you to anime the same thing that leads you to right-wing politics or is it that you have fertile ground for that and there are people coming in who are taking advantage of kids who are lonely and sad right. and like i i i don't think so I mean, I, I think <laughs> I don't want it to be, and I and I don't think so because I think that <laughs> I think that what I think is like okay, n neo folk mm -hmm. and drone and noise music 
have a lot of fucking Nazis in them. Uh-huh. Like, those are subcultures of music um, and subcultures in general where there's, like, you know, this sort of, like, goth community that has a lot of Nazi imagery. Like, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but, like, Death and June and Non and um, all of these kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Um, that draws Nazis for some reason. It's right. just a Nazi little subgroup. But the concept, I think there must be something about being that far outside of what the status quo is or just, like, wanting to hurt people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, wanting to be, like, isolated that creates that sort of subculture. Yeah. Um, but the concept of noise music isn't anything. Like, it's just a weird thing right. that some people are interested in. And maybe there's a certain kind of person that gets to that community. Um, but I think anime is a big enough umbrella that while it has, it does attract a certain kind of person like a fly, um, you know, it is a nectar for that kind of thing where it's yeah. like it has all of these superhero type tropes, these sort of fascist tropes in it. I think as an art form, it is just animation. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't say, like, is claymation attractive to Nazis? It's right. like, no, not really. I mean, like, it, it's just like there is a more higher, there's a higher ratio of stuff that is attractive to Nazis, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, um, like because Nazi armbands are red, it's like saying, is red attractive to are Nazis? Are armbands fascists? <laughs> yes. Yeah. But. <laughs> no. <laughs> armbands rule. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I guess it's it's the art form itself isn't the problem. Like the community that has been built around it is the problem. And I guess that's kind of where we're settling. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I mean I think that the problem is is that it's such a large thing. The concept of a whole country's output of animation mm-hmm. is it's too big for any of us to control. Do right. You know what I mean? Like, there's gonna be reactionary elements to this stuff. Yeah. Because you can, we. It's a capitalist market exporting media to another capitalist market. You know, mm-hmm. one is an ethnostate, one is an one is an aspiring ethnostate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's gonna be anime that is bad yeah. and is very reactionary mm-hmm. and attracts reactionaries. But the medium is only as bad as the makers, right? And like Miyazaki isn't reactionary. No. You know, and he's one of the most well known in america like normies know him the most right um he's owned by you know that shit is distributed by disney yeah um and that's very like war is bad you know be an eco-terrorist because we have to save the planet kind Uh of stuff you know like he's fairly left on certain things yeah um and so i think saying that anime as a medium just like with anything in my my opinion like aesthetically nothing Nothing is aesthetically political. Like, it's just what happens to those aesthetics, what people use them for, what yeah. tool. Um, and anime just happens to be something that's <laughs> from a, a right-wing country. But, you know, superheroes aren't right-wing. You know, you can have... You can use that medium to have good politics yeah but it just i mean the x-men us. is kind of a good example of yeah that. i mean and you can use them for bad too but it, you have to stretch it and make it weird and it doesn't feel right you mm-hmm. know what i mean like trying to force wolverine into some sort of superman situation like in the last phoenix yeah just feels wrong and everyone hates it <laughs> you know but like x2 even though it was made by a rapist uh, <laughs> <laughs> um x2 feels right because it's like a movie that like literally says like this is about gays yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean and it feels nice to see them like kind of work through that stuff so i think that any sort of medium generally can be used for good and i just think it means more people making stuff and and trying to support media media that is good that is politically nice and not reactionary so then, like, if we're kind of settling in on the idea that, like, the problem largely lies within something poisonous in the Western anime fandom community, and... And, can... the, and the Japanese. Oh, for I, sure. I'm but I mean, sure. like, the, you know, this is a show exclusively kind of... Western anime fans. Western anime fans. Like, if we take it as kind of a given that there are leftist anime fans, there are people who listen to this show, there's you and I, you know, like, what, what actionable... 
you know, w- what can we do as <laughs> as leftist anime fans to kind of push back against that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you guys have been doing a cool thing, like the, the Krillin ACAB shirts, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like using the same kind of jokes that, you know, the podcast culture in, in, in New York and elsewhere have been doing to sort of make, sorry, <laughs> make propaganda. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, because that's all they're doing, but they're just, like, that's all anime Nazis are doing, is using anime for their own propaganda. Right. But, and I, we haven't talked about this at all, but I talk about it on my podcast all the time, is incredibly important. And yeah. like, nobody will, not nobody, but like, I get really frustrated by people who kind of just assume that if it's a podcast or if it's on YouTube or if it's on TikTok, it doesn't matter. It's just absolutely insane. Millions of people are taking this stuff in and are like, it is affecting their lives. And these are kids, you know, like yeah. in, in malleable brain stages. <laughs> so it's like, you have to be putting out counter propaganda to this stuff. Yeah. It's so important. And I think lots of people who are, started who are anime nazis now started as just anime fans Mm -hmm. and didn't really think of it as anything but like a thing that made them feel more comfortable right um and made them feel like 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 we said it's a power fantasy and a skinner box for you know feeling better about yourself 4chan is and and anime can be too Mm -hmm. um but they probably didn't know that at the time and so if you've got kids who are interested in this you know it's so important to make things that aren't reactionary and ideas that aren't reactionary look cool yeah. and look good and accessible and something that they'd want and not gay. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, not the... It, 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 but, like, to them, they'd be like, having feelings is gay, right? right? And it's like, you have to be like, no, it actually feels really good and you'll like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and being gay is cool. Yeah, being gay is cool and being <laughs> queer of all kinds is cool. Um, and women are also really nice and yeah. you will make your life feel better <laughs> just being friends with them. You know, and like all of this stuff has to be propagandized in a way that is clever. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not enough to just say it or like put a Twitter screenshot and be like, that's tea. You know what I mean? Like, it has to be cool looking. You have to be a marketer. And right. we all have to do that now because that's how the world works. Right. Um, and it's another just- weird side effect of, of our continuous, like, plugging further and further into the, the wire, wired. Yeah. Right? Like, absolutely. Because I think that that's how you communicate in the wired yeah. is propaganda. Uh-huh. Um, it has become the entire method of communication. Um, memes are, I mean, my show was made off of having a meme page with like 20,000 <laughs> subscribers. You right. Know? Um, and that's how we got to doing a show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am very convinced that is important. And if you if you don't know how to do propaganda or memes or whatever you want to call it, you're not speaking the language. Yeah. You're not communicating with anybody. Um, you're just like talking to the people who ha- also haven't learned and are using, you know, reality speak. Does, yeah. does, they, uh-huh. does that make sense? Um, and so I think what we have to do as an, you know leftist anime fans is figure out. What is good about our this, this thing we like? Why do we like it? Mm-hmm. Um, what does it say about our politics? And what anime has good politics? And then center those things and make them cool. Lane is a good example. Yeah, Miyazaki is a good example. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot. Dragon Ball Z is a good example. Is I it? mean, literally, <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, uh, Akira Toriyama based uh, Frieza like off of the like. He, the idea of um, like land developers, Ooh. like the idea of Frieza as this sort of like imperial shithead who goes planet to planet, right? Uh, like taking them over and draining them of their resources, was based entirely on the <laughs> idea of like land speculation and development. That's insane. Yeah. Well, I did not know that. Uh-huh. But that's the thing. Like, like I said, you're you you guys do a great job with that kind of like the the ACAB Krillin, and like I would love to see a you know guillotine freezer shirt you know yeah <laughs> not, a, not even a shirt but like those kinds of image imagery like yeah. putting them out there as much as the anime nazis do i think is the goal right yeah and because people already like anime right you don't have to convince them that it's cool yeah you totally. already have that uh-huh you know it's just like this thing that makes you feel good can make you feel good for good reasons and not because it makes you feel like you're gonna 
be able to have power over someone else. Right. Does that make, you know, you know uh-huh. so. So I think to like round this out, I don't remember if we were recording when we talked about this, but <laughs> kind of like the, uh, like the end of serial experiments lane and kind yeah. of like the final lesson of it is I think kind of something that we've touched on a little bit throughout this conversation, but like maybe just kind of as, uh, as sort of like a nice note to end on the idea that like, the wired is only like half of it, right? And right. and the lesson of the show is that like you can't just be in the wired, you can't just be in the meat space, like right. It has to be both. To do complete spoilers. Yeah, sorry <laughs> uh, everybody. No, you listen, it doesn't matter, you won't get it. <laughs> like it's fucking insane. <laughs> this show is nuts and it will destroy your brain. Uh even now, like I mean I was like rereading like I we watched some of it and and we I reread like a few different I read the transcript of that video you sent me and I mm-hmm. read like a few different like explanations of the plot and I read just the regular plot just to sort of give myself a refresher and I was like this show is fucking insane it's crazy <laughs> like because Lane is the show is like we said in the beginning like kind of on ontological in that Lane is a Hegelian synthesis created by a guy who uploaded a consciousness, his own consciousness to the wired and tried to, tried to make a synthesis between reality and the, and, and the wired. Um, but it doesn't work because she has a consciousness mm-hmm. and she is the synthesis of the reality and the wired because she has a human body. Um, and he doesn't really know how that happened. <laughs> um, and so he wants to be the god of the wired and and then kind of also, and then remove reality. But she's like, you can't do that. It's literally impossible because we are, the consciousness is reality and the wired. Yeah. Um, so I guess what we're trying to say is um, <laughs> you can't just live in a fantasy world of online it's not it doesn't exist without meat space yeah and if you ignore everything that's happening to your body and by your body you mean your relationship with friends <laughs> your fucking parents <laughs> your sexuality which is these lucky and you know what also your health you yeah, know also, what? also go to the doctor <laughs> yeah fucking take care of yourself <laughs> call your mother then you're gonna like fucking be a weird guy who tries to kill everybody to be god of online. Yeah. Which <laughs> <laughs> is what happens in the anime. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's gonna wrap it up. Okay. I hope uh, this was kind of illuminating in any way. Yeah, I think it'll I think it'll be something. Bryn, thank you so much for, for sitting down with me. Thanks so much for uh, having me. Everybody right? listening to this, listen to Beep Beep Lettuce. It's very good. You Thank should you. be listening to it. Uh, do you want to plug anything else? Your band, maybe? Uh, sure. I have a band. It's called Stay Inside. We're releasing a record later in the year. Uh, we only have two songs that sound like us now, but listen to them. Yeah, listen to those songs. We'll follow, put follow, one at the end. Follow us on Twitter. Stay <laughs> we'll Inside. throw one at the BK. end of the episode. <laughs> I don't know about that. All right. Whatever. <laughs>